welcome in to the Get Out of Porn podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. In the last couple of episodes, we have looked at healing emotional wounds, specifically through internal family systems, or IFS. What emotions are behind the addiction? What is pushing us toward porn addiction? And we have to understand these things, and then if we can use internal family systems, IFS, to better understand the parts that are speaking, we have a much better understanding or much better hope of overcoming the addiction and a much better understanding of what's actually happening behind the curtain, deep down underneath, uh, instead of, well, this is just a behavioral problem and we need to cope with it. We need to push through it. No, we need to interact with the exiles and the parts that we don't always get. Now, where did the exiles come from and what started those? Why is shame such a problem? Or why is loneliness such a problem? Or why is rejection or abandonment or whatever it may be such a problem? I teased this in the last episode, but one of the things I want to dig into is attachment. Attachment theory is uh, was created by John Bowlby, and he had described attachment as a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. Of course, Mary Ainsworth comes along. She adds the theory uh, quite a bit a few years later past Bowlby, but those two, Ainsworth and Bowlby, really took the uh, the lead on attachment theory, on what this actually looked like. And we know that attachment wounds are often what create the core negative beliefs that lead to the emotions that then become exiles. So what is wrong with rejection? If I'm rejected, that means I'm unworthy of love. So I don't want to be rejected. Because if that is, that means I'm not worthy of love. It means I'm not loved. It means I'm I'm less than, right? And most of what you're going to find is these core negative beliefs are connected to love. Am I worthy of love? What's wrong with shame? Well, shame means I'm a bad person. What's wrong with being a bad person? Well, being a bad person means that people don't want to be around me, or it means that I'm I'm in a really bad place, or whatever that is. Well, what's wrong with that? It will almost always go back to love. Am I loved by God? Am I loved by others? What's wrong with abandonment? Well, abandonment means nobody wants me. Why doesn't anybody want me? That's a very difficult problem and a difficult thought to have that's going to lead toward these these emotions. Well, where does that feeling come from? So often it comes from the attachment we have with our parents. And so just to dig into attachment and to better understand what that looks like, there's actually uh, four different types of attachment in classic attachment theory. The first is anxious and secure or anxious ambivalent. You'll see this. Uh, see both of those used interchangeably, anxious, insecure, or anxious ambivalent. Now, this is coming straight from healthline.com. I could explain it to you, but I think they s- explain it very succinctly, healthline.com. With this type of attachment, this happens when parents respond to their child's needs sporadically. Care and protection are sometimes there and sometimes not there. In anxious and secure attachment, the child can't rely on their parents to be there when needed. Because of this, the child fails to develop any feelings of security from the attachment figure. And since the child can't rely on their parents to be there if they feel threatened, they won't easily move away from the parent to explore. If the parent is there, it's like, finally, I'll stay here. So they don't want to take risks. They don't want to go out. It's They're very anxious about the world outside of them because they can't rely on their parent to be there if they're threatened. They don't want to go out there and get threatened and then not have somebody to back them up. And if they happen to be close to their parent, if the parent is there, they don't want to lose that. So... This creates this this attachment wound surrounding your ability to go out and explore the world. Those with anxious insecure or anxious ambivalent have a tough time exploring the world because their parents aren't always there. What do you get in a situation where your parent isn't always there? 
you get a lot of thoughts surrounding, I'm not good enough. Why don't they want me? Why aren't they there for me? The second is avoidant insecure. Avoidant insecure. That's sometimes where a parent has trouble accepting and responding sensitively to the child's needs. So instead of comforting the child, the parent minimizes their feelings, rejects their demands, and really doesn't help with difficult tasks. This leads to avoidant insecure attachment. In addition, the child may be expected to help the parent with their own needs. The child learns that it's best to avoid bringing the parent into the picture. After all, the parent doesn't respond in a helpful manner. So in, an, in avoidant insecure attachment, the child learns that their best bet is to shut down their feelings and become self-reliant. Once again, they become they shut down their feelings and they become self-reliant because going to my parent doesn't help. In fact, I end up being the, the parent. I end up being the adult, basically. I have to take care of my parents' needs, their emotional whims, instead of the other way around because when I do go to them with those things, I don't get comfort. I get my feelings minimized or rejected, right? So you become very self-reliant and you say, well, forget it. Porn comes in with both of these. It comes in with this one because it's a way to give yourself some of the quote-unquote love that you've been looking for from your parent. Your parents should have been there to comfort you, but they weren't, so you'll run to something else to find comfort. Uh, the third one is disorganized insecure attachment. And in this case, parents show atypical behavior. They reject, ridicule, and frighten their child. And so parents who display these behaviors often have a past that includes unresolved trauma themselves. Then, as Healthline states, tragically, when the child approaches the parent, they feel fear and increased anxiety instead of care and protection. Eventually, the child starts to develop behaviors that help them feel somewhat safe. For example, the child may become aggressive toward the parent, refuse care from the parent, or simply become super self-reliant because you don't know what you're going to get. And when you do, if you do go there, it's probably going to be more on the abusive end, disorganized and secure attachment. So you'll protect yourself at all costs. You're still going to need care and protection, but you'll give that to yourself ultimately most of the time through things like porn. Um, sex becomes a, a key way of taking care of yourself, of feeling loved instead of feeling rejected, and in feeling care in, instead of feeling um, the, the parent's ridicule and their anger toward you. You'll act out in other ways. The fourth, of course, is secure attachment. So up to this point, there's anxious and secure, or anxious ambivalent, avoidant insecure, disorganized insecure, and then the fourth one, of course, is just secure. And secure attachment is really what you're aiming for, of course. So it happens when the parents or caregivers are available, sensitive, responsive, and accepting. And in relationships with secure attachment, parents let their children go out, and, and they go out and about, they go explore the world around them, but when they come back, they can find security and comfort. These parents pick up their child, they play with them, they reassure them when needed, so the child learns that they can express negative emotions and someone will actually help them. Children who develop secure attachment learn how to trust and have healthy self-esteem. As adults, these children are in touch with their feelings, they're competent, and they generally have successful relationships. So each of these has the ability to affect your, your marriage, to affect your sex life, to affect your relationship with things like porn. If you find yourself super clingy in your marriage, just to, this takes off, of course, this is for those that are married, but if you find yourself clingy in your marriage, if you're constantly afraid of letting your spouse out of your sight lest they commit adultery, if you're afraid of that rejection and abandonment, uh, or you freak out when they're, when they're not near, you most likely struggle with anxious and secure attachment. If you struggle being open and honest with your feelings with, uh, around other people, 
or opening yourself up even sexually to your spouse or opening yourself up to somebody else because you don't feel worthy of love, you probably struggle with maybe anxious and secure. Um, you may struggle with um, disorganized and secure because you may feel like I'm going to get hit if I express myself or I'm going to be judged or I'm going to be ridiculed or rejected if I were to come clean or if I were to um, be open and honest about this. And so there may be a lot of shame in those things. So that is one part of the attachment. That's classic attachment theory from Bowlby and Ainsworth. And we also know in attachment, there's the idea of hot box, cold box. And in the hot box, you reach out for your parent, you reach out for love, for care, support, whatever it may be, and you get abuse. You get verbal abuse, you get emotional abuse, you maybe even get physical abuse. So there's this hot tension, right? Every uh, Everything's about a boiling point in the home. And what you learn from that is you reach out for love and care, you get that back, and you learn, I'm bad, or there's something wrong with me. If there wasn't, why would my parent not care for me, care about me? Why wouldn't they accept me in that moment? There's also cold box, which is where you reach out for your needs to be met, and instead, they neglect you. They're they're care- worrying and caring about their own needs, and so they're not there to give you what you need. And in that situation, in a cold box, it's I must not matter, or I'm not worthy of love. So hot box, we blame ourselves. I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. Otherwise, my parent wouldn't do this to me. In the cold box, I must not matter, or I'm not worthy of love. In both of these situations, you're reaching out for love, you're reaching out for care, and what you learn is, I guess I must take care of myself. I can't rely on the parent to either treat me with dignity in the hot box or even to care about me in the cold box, to even look toward me and engage with me. I guess I must take care of myself. Well, how do we take care of ourselves? Porn. We want to feel good about ourselves. We don't want to feel bad. We're running from these thoughts of, there's something wrong with me, or I must not matter, these feelings of worthlessness, and we run towards something that immediately picks us up, which is porn. We also know, attachment-wise, that if your attachment is very strong with your father, you probably have a strong sense of self. If it's strong with your mother, you probably have a strong sense of others and a, a good relationship with others. Vice versa. If it's bad, if, if you as a male have a negative view of your father, you probably have a negative view of yourself. If you have a negative view of your mother, you probably have difficulty connecting with others. Vice versa for the females. The female has a good relationship with herself if it's a good relationship with the mom and a good relationship with others if it's a good relationship with the father. So the opposite sex uh, of your parent really determines the, the others and, and the same sex yourself. Why does this matter? Because as we look at our addictions and what feeds our addictions and the shame and everything else that's present that really starts to feed the addiction, we have to ask ourselves, what is my relationship with my parents? Is it good? Is it healthy? Do I feel cared for and loved unconditionally? Are they there for me? Is there secure attachment? Because if you have a really negative view of your father, you're probably going to have a really tough time forgiving yourself for any sin any struggle that you have, and you're probably going to have a lot of negative self-talk. If you're you're a male and you have a poor view of your mother, let's say she's not there, a lot of disorganized attachment or maybe anxious and secure attachment, whatever it is, you can't trust that she's going to be there, you probably have a really tough time trusting others, that they're going to be there for you. Why does this relate to porn addiction? Because porn addiction is an intimacy disorder. I fail to connect with others. 
either because I don't feel worthy, judging by my relationship with my father, or I don't trust others, judging by my relationship with my mother. Vice versa, once again, for females. Attachment is such a key role or a key thing in addictions work, specifically in sex addiction, because it shows us so much of where our traumas begin. There's a lot of clients, I have a lot of clients that look to, um, basically they, they make excuses for their parents. Well, I have a really good relationship with my parents. My parents were great. And the more we dig into it, the more it's like, yeah, but there were moments where they just weren't there. They flat out weren't there for me. I reached out for support and I felt judged instead. Or I reached out for support and I felt maybe a, a neglect. They weren't there for me when I needed them the most. I was getting bullied at school. I talked to my parents about it and they blew it off. Something like that. Um, you can also have some attachment problems with others, like with people at school. And sometimes it is just our relationship with others, us feeling neglected and, and feeling um, maybe feeling the odd man out or the outcast in a certain social situation. And that sometimes can spur us toward porn because we want to be part of it. But so much of this has to do with attachment. And so if you're struggling with pornography, consider your relationship with your parents. Does that mean I'm blaming your parents? No, it does not. I'm not saying it's all their fault. I'm not saying that we can put a thousand percent of the blame on them and that you are completely absolved. No, you made your own choice the same way I made my choice in my addiction. I chose to do those things. And at some point that choice became a lot more difficult as, as chemicals and everything else got involved, but mainly as the emotions got involved. I learned to run to porn to fix my own problems, and you may have done the same. Yes, you bear some of the responsibility, but to act like that takes place in some vacuum that, oh no, your parents had nothing to do with it, that's not true either. Most of the time, your parents did. If it goes back a long ways, if you started your porn at 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever it is, um, and, and it became an addiction around that time, consider your relationship with your parents, consider your attachment with them. Did you feel you could always go to them or were you scared of them? Or did you feel that they were neglectful or they were sometimes there, sometimes not there? Uh, those things will play a role in your relationship with pornography. Porn is serving you in some way. And at some point it was the escape from that most of the time. Again, there are exceptions to this for sure, but most of the time porn was an escape from those negative um, feelings and thoughts that were caused by your parents' reaction to you reaching out for support. So consider your attachment. Think about your relationship with your parents. It may be great now. I'm not saying you have to ruin your relationship with your parents to overcome this. Your relationship may be great now, but that doesn't mean it always was great. Sometimes it can become great later in life, but there may still be that younger self that is very much struggling with the relationship with your parents. Well, my dad shows up for me now. He's always there for me now. Yeah, but was he always there for you? or were there key times where he wasn't, specifically surrounding the time you got into porn? Um, were they going through marital issues? Yeah, my parents are great now. They got a great marriage. But were they going through marital issues at the time, unable to give you the support that you needed? We look for things like that. Those are, those are telltale signs that maybe something isn't exactly right. So think about it from that perspective, from an attachment perspective. The other last thing I'll say is most attachment theorists will say attachment takes place from zero to two. Yes, classically speaking, it should be zero to two in your relationship, mainly with your mom, whether that's there. And that certainly does have a factor in pornography, or it can have a factor in pornography if you very much felt neglected. But most of the time, 
this to me has to do with your attachment with your parents growing up, especially around the time you got into porn. Um, as a teenager, let's say you get into porn at, at 13, which actually is late. I think the average right now is around 11. But let's say you get into porn at 13. Has your relationship with your parents been good enough where you really felt the need to, where you felt the ability to go talk to them, the ability to connect with them? Maybe not. If that's not the case, then that'll tell you where you kind of reside. That'll tell you um, maybe why porn became that much of a struggle at 13. Was porn not around or not available at 10, 11, 12 years old? No, it was, but at 13, something stuck. Think about that. Think about where you're at, where you were with your relationship with your parents at the time, and begin to maybe make a list of some, some hurtful things that happened. Then what I would suggest is finding a therapist and getting into therapy to heal some of those emotional wounds. Uh, that is going to fast track your process out of, of uh, addiction as fast as anything to heal the initial emotional wounds that are creating the triggers, that are creating the these wounds that are fodder for addiction. I'm unworthy of love, therefore I'm fearful of rejection. I've exiled the the rejected part of me or that rejection feeling I've exiled that I don't want to feel it but I still feel worthless I still feel like a like a reject deep down where does that come from well maybe you reached out for love from your dad and you got rejected and that told you you are a reject and you've believed it ever since and porn was your escape from that you have to deal with wounds like that to beat this addiction in my opinion you can white knuckle it you can you can do all of the great coping techniques. At the end of the day, you're still going to feel like a reject unless you figure out how to heal those emotional wounds, which most of the time is through therapy. So as always, please get a hold of me if you're struggling with this and, and that's something that you recognize. I would love to hear from you. Um, if you do need help, I can point you in the right direction toward therapy or if, if possible, you know, we can work together, whatever it is, if that's something you need. But email me, Joe Wilkie. W-I-L-K-I-E, Joe Wilkie Counseling at gmail.com. Uh, and I would love to hear from you if that's something that you need. Either way, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time, and I will catch you next week.